Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoigev and this is Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I catch up with comedian and radio presenter PJ Gallagher. So I went back to the doctor and he goes, OK, well, what's happening? And we sat down and he goes, right, you're... you're feeling a little bit too excited and he has like they have a checklist you know they go through a whole session it's like are you spending a lot of money are you taking risks you would never normally take and it was like no 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 and he goes well yeah no you're just happy like you've just forgotten what it's like it's just been a while wow. he's like there's nothing wrong with you feeling this good like this is not erratic happiness or dangerous happiness you're just yeah. in a good place you're just happy and did it freak you out like the feeling of no, joy. I thought it was very funny. Uh, I thought it was very funny. I do nice. remember thinking, I can't believe... Like, I remember sitting, like, laughing. I was saying, I can't believe I thought... Like, I'm enjoying my life so much, I thought I was sick again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I was, like, worried about being... Yeah. I was worried about being happy, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe that. That was, like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's That was mad. Um but it was so it was such a nice secure feeling yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it makes you want to hold on to it then you know it becomes a valuable thing then PJ lives in Clontarf in Dublin with his partner Kelly and their 12 week old twins Milo and Stevie he presents the breakfast show on Nova with his friend Jim McCabe he's also currently working on a documentary for RTE and his book Madhouse The Naked Truth About My Chaotic Childhood Losing My Mind and Finding a Place to Call Home is out now and it's a brilliant read we spoke back in the summer of 2021 and it was a chat that really resonated with listeners so this conversation picks up where we left off the last time he he speaks about his three-month stay in St. Patrick's Mental Health Services, meeting his now partner Kelly, fatherhood, polyamory, and knowing what works for his mental well-being. Here it is. I do remember the chat, and we like I got so much feedback from it. Oh my god! Like I had so much feedback from that uh, last podcast that we did. Yeah, um, 
So it seemed to have, yeah, I got a lot of messages from people on Instagram and stuff, you know. People of, love you. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and I, I think they, some, uh, no, but, they do. And I think what, you know, being so, so honest really touched people as well. But I think a lot of people felt like I did. God, you know, he's really hard on himself. Like, well, yeah, I, I guess maybe that's something um, I haven't learned a lot about. I don't know. Um that's a hard one to put my finger on. I know, People I know. have said that to me loads and I've never really kind of sure, yeah, agreed yeah, yeah. with it in a way, if okay. you know what I mean. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I think you kind of have an idea of who you are or where you stand and that probably doesn't change. But how you feel about that is kind of what's important, you know. Yeah. You know, if you feel like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm kind of getting away with it. Um, that's all right. You might, you'll always feel like that, but then you kind of think, well, that's great, isn't it? You know, I'm getting away with it. You know, there's a bit of that maybe. Yeah, it's probably okay. an attitude change more than yeah, an idea change. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember at the time you were saying you like you weren't a fan of hugs, so we were still in the in the kind of. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. No, no. I think <laughs> and now I remember we were talking about anti-social distancing, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that hasn't changed. No. <laughs> don't touch it. I still don't understand why you have to touch someone to say hello. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> arm's reach is a thing for a reason. You put your hand out. Stay over there. Thank you. Shake hands. Grand. You're all right. Stay where you're standing. There's no need for us to start wrestling. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So you're, look, life at the moment is, I can't imagine actually how busy it is because you ha- are now dad's twins. Yeah, but as I speak to you at the moment, it's not that busy because they're gone. So my partner's from Boston. Yeah. So they're in, they're all in Boston and oh, I won't okay. see them again until Christmas. So it's actually gone the other way. It's gone from having 12 weeks of complete and utter craziness and madness and trying to get your head around um these two babies. Well, one baby. One of them's really easy. One baby. One insane baby. Uh, <laughs> so, it's a boy and a girl. Yeah. Milo and Stevie. Milo and Stevie, yeah. Milo's the boy. I I, I didn't really think I'd have, I'd have to explain that when we were naming them, but here we are. I wouldn't have thought you had to explain that either. Milo <laughs> is, I, I am I right in thinking that Milo is the, the busy one? Yeah. He's mental. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's absolutely... It's unbelievable. They're very different. Yeah, but it's like you you look after Stevie and, you know, Stevie kind of, in a way, kind of looks after you. She she doesn't moan. She's like, she cries when she's hungry or when she wants something. Most of the time it's kind of laid back. It's easy going, whatever. And then he's, it's just like lion taming. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> he's just waiting to turn on you all the time. Like, I, that's what I was saying to someone recently, that you get what you put into the world, you know? Like, Stevie's like her ma. They're only 12 weeks old, but she's like, you know, predictable and doesn't make a big deal of things and seems to just get on with life and, you know, knows what's going on around, knows the surroundings. And he's like me. It's just like drama, chaos, unnecessary <laughs> upset, like constant chaos. So, yeah, you get what you are, I think, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but they're great. Like, they are brilliant. It's just, uh, yeah, like, yeah, but it's it's not easy. My God, it's not easy. Especially when you're an alpha. Like, that is the thing. Well, what are you, 48? For, yeah, 48. So, it's funny. I meet people and they go, oh, no, I had kids late too. I was 39. I'm like, that's, <laughs> like, I'm so much further up the road. Or I had my baby when I was 45, someone told me. I'm like, yeah, I had two at 48. <laughs> So let's not play the comparison game. Let's not pretend I'm not too, like, I'm not getting on. Like, because I am getting on for this, you know. Uh, But that's all right. Like, it's okay that that's the case. But my God, you know, when I worked out that I'll be having, I'll get my bus pass before they'll have their first legal point. I was like, right, that Mm. is, that's not normal. Well, that's okay. Well, 
I want <laughs> nowadays I suppose we are like I, I was a late bloomer as well and uh, do you know like I had my first at 38 second of 42 you just did what I said you just, I just literally did, did what I, I said I just did it I just yeah, did it 38 that was 10 years ago I'd have a 10 year old now <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, yeah, I know. It's different get, for women, get, though, in I get, fairness. I get the point. I it's get different the point. for women because you're up against biology and no, all that. No, and I also it. had yeah. an individual human at a time. You're having two of them. Yeah, maybe that's easier in a way. Maybe it's easier in a way. That's all you know, I suppose. Yeah, that's all I know. But I thought my, my only other example is my friend Stephanie, you know, and she's had, she's like about to go into her second at the moment. Yeah. And like all she can think of is how hard it was and how she has to do it again. And I'll never have to do that. You know, like, it's just really intensely Why? tough. You're, you know this is it, you're done. Oh, yeah, sure. I got the rifle decommissioned two weeks after they were born, yeah. Did you? Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, my, immediately I knew. Like, immediately. I was like, this is amazing, but we're never doing it again. And I, I went into the doctor and, like, for the vasectomy, you know. Yeah. And just around the corner here, and I went in and he goes, okay, have you spoken to your partner? Because your partner's younger than you are. Kelly is, like, you know, Kelly's younger than me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was there, yeah. And she is, she would like literally have us remove the entire equipment. Yeah, all the apparatus could come off and it would be fine. So there's no question that this is the right thing to do. There's no question, yeah, you know. And yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, yeah, because yeah, it's, you know, it's very tough to re- reverse. And there's no reversal. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. We both knew, we both knew, like, this is it. Uh, yeah. And Kelly had a rough time. Um, okay, with sorry. The and, oh, no, it's great. Like, thank, everything's fine now, but it was a rough run. And she's still having a rough run. She's on her, you know, she's still recovering. She's mammy and now, and I'm over here, you know, just getting on with stuff until I can join them again. Yeah, so, so you'll spend Christmas in Boston? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Boston for Christmas, yeah. Nice. Nice, yeah, it so is So her nice. family will be a support, I suppose, and a help. Yeah, so that's that's the whole idea. I, I'm At the moment, I'm doing 12-hour days, 14-hour days, yeah. like, and on the run to Christmas, because there's so much going on. Uh, so it's too not much, just, really. It's not just the book promo, you've other stuff as well. Yeah, we're making a documentary on mental illness now for RTE. Good on you. And we're, I'm doing the radio show every morning, um, and... Like there's so like there's an awful lot. I'm trying to write an animation thing that and everything has to be finished before Christmas. Yeah, okay. So it's just too much and yeah, yeah. We had to think of something and we've no family here. Yeah, so. sure. And you're the, the the type of person I would imagine you're you're really helpful and accommodating. Like, okay, so I came in here um this morning for this chat and I have a puncture. And straight away you didn't even miss a beat. You're like, I'll help you with that. Do you have you know, do you have a spare in the boot? I'll sort for you after the chat. Yeah, but that, that's, that's the kind of guy you are. You know, you'll just, you'll help people and you'll, you'll want to, if somebody asks you to do something, you'll want to, to do it. I, I'd say, do you kind of not want to kind of say no to people? So when, as in, with the way you're saying now, you've so much going on. Is it because you're kind of saying yes to a lot of stuff? Saying yes to a lot of stuff, probably too much in fairness. Right. And yeah. timing caught me out. I think I remember saying to you before that um, I've learned to say no to things and I've gotten caught out now again. Okay. Um Whereas before now, before I would have been in an awful state because I would have thought, just one more day, just get through this and like then it'll be fine or just keep your head down or keep going no matter what, keep going. You know, it would have been a weird sort of toxic drive. Mm. Now it's like I have a finish line and then when I hit that finish line, I'm going to do nothing for anyone. Um, And that's kind of important. I think that's how a new thing. So when I go to the States, the phone will be off. I won't talk to anyone. It'll be 10 days of just complete quiet. And then when I come home, I have no intention of getting back to this level of intensity of work. Yeah. The radio show. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll go back to the radio show and probably try and do that and I'll write one other thing and nothing else. Okay, um, good. So, yeah, because I, I, I know how, how easily I can be overwhelmed. And like you said, I, out of panic, I will say yes to anything. You know? mm. uh, and the thoughts of getting cash and money and looking after babies now and like everything's, it's unbelievable how expensive they are. Jeez, I thought bikes were expensive. Like <laughs> babies are, like everything. And it's all yeah. on the double and... Yeah, you know, like that's the thing as well. Like yeah. even if they, we we got a night nurse for a couple of nights and we were like for two, it's it's yeah. big money just yeah. to sit in your own bed, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to justify all these things, and then I panic. I you know, like oh, I have to make money, I have to do this. I'm agreeing to things I wouldn't want to do, and um, yeah. So no, I get you back, because you know. I I you know uh, I was. I suppose quite laid back in terms of work and stuff I do and then I became a, a, a parent and I went like you know that that drive to oh no say yes to the work because you know you need the money yeah yeah it, it shifts something in you as well I do think that becoming a, a mother or father does kind of do something to you massively inside in terms of it changing your wiring yeah and I think as a fella as well like you kind of feel when the kids are born you're a little bit on the outside um you know, you can try and help and get as involved as you can, but you're always kind of despair. Uh, at the moment, I'm kind of despair. So um, what comes, Kelly's just very good at certain things when it comes like this and I'm not. And I'm trying, and then I realise I can be in the way and annoying. And then you think, well, I'm going to make up for it this way. So you sort of go, well, I'm just going to walk my arse off to try and make everything okay in a different way. Yeah. Um, and you can get carried away with it. And I, I did get carried away with it. In, and that, that's more panic than anything else and trying to contribute and getting it wrong and not communicating. That's the thing as well. So getting there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you keep talking, you know. So I think we're going to go to a couples therapy actually just to try and get in front of problems because everything's kind of going okay now. Okay, that's good. Uh, um, but we've had some moments, you know, where you, you sort of bicker. And I've never bickered before. It's never been my thing, you know. So we're now we're just like, okay, this is like, we're obviously still really into each other. This is going really well as a relationship. It's just hard. It's two of us and two kids and no one else. So let's just like make sure we're communicating properly. So when we come back, like that sort of mission number one is just like get a referee, you know, yeah, that's someone great, that can blow PJ. a whistle and go, foul, yellow yeah. card, PJ, out, you know. Uh, so it's like, I think I've got to start doing that. But no, but, but, but for both of you, that's, that's, that's great because as you said, you're kind of getting ahead before maybe it gets to a place because obviously, you know, um, yeah, having kids puts huge pressure on yeah, our relationship. Yeah, and I know what it's like to think things are going to be grand when they're not. So Yeah, and you've also said yeah. before that you're, you're, you're kind of modus operandi when it came to kind of difficulty in relationships was to just leg it. Leg it, yeah, run. Run for the hills, yeah. And I suppose so you don't you, want to do that I don't, well, No, I don't want to do that, yeah. So exactly. maybe avoid the running bit. It's a bit more at stake now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's more about protecting something than running away from something, you know. So what about the uh, the birth? So it was, was that a kind of a chaotic time when they came into the world? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was mostly what... It was mostly Kelly's situation in the hospital that was hard, to be honest. Uh, Kelly was like, um, you know, she she was determined. I mean, Kelly's American, so she thinks she can do everything. And that <laughs> means 99% of the time she actually probably can. Yeah. Uh, so she thinks everything's going to be all right. And I'm the opposite. I think everything's going to go terrible. So anything after that is a bonus. Yeah. Uh, and she went into the hospital and everything was going fine. And then we had all kinds of complications and we didn't realize just small things like about, you know, how you know, when you have twins, your water breaks twice and we're getting caught just small little things. And yeah. and then she started to have like, uh, 
she needed a couple of blood transfusions because she was losing a lot of blood after the kids were born. She was a whole week in the hospital and oh, okay. one of the kids was in the incubator and the other one wasn't. So she only had time with one and like uh, we were separated then because I was spending most of my time trying to feed him yeah. while she was in the room downstairs, kind of tied to a bed with, you know, cables and, and all that when she couldn't go. So it was really tough. That, f- that first Very week was tough. really, God. really tough. Yeah. And then we came home and it was... It was a weird divide nearly, you know, because she'd spent so much time looking after Stevie. I'd spent so much time looking after Milo. And then it was kind of like, do we even know the other babies? It was really tough. It was really, really tough. And and then you're just not going to bed. You know, you're wearing the same pair of trousers for three days. Yeah. You haven't even taken them off. Like, you know, so you're just like this uh, revolving door. Uh, and, and Kelly, because she's American, is like, no, you need to sleep. You got the radio show. I'm like, Jesus, right. Okay. I'm, got, I'm not going to not go to bed. But <laughs> more difficult so yeah but we're getting there and then like just just this morning she they missed one feed at night so they're they're just making life a little bit easier now you know one feed has dropped today and it's like reason to celebrate because she can sleep a little bit and yeah, so uh, I, I, I don't know. She, I don't know how she does it. Like she's just you're in the trenches. Warrior. I mean, she's in the trenches. Like, yeah, I'm, but I know, like I have no idea what it's like to have twins. None. But I can only begin to imagine. Like it's, it's as you said, it's doubling up on everything. But it is like you, um, the newborn stage. As much as there are beautiful moments, and there are, but it's Jesus. It's the, there are times when it's so bloody hard yeah you're just waiting for them to you know yeah just the, like the joys that you look exhaustion. forward to just when they can hold a bottle themselves yeah it's going to be such a big day you know yeah, yeah it is. not even hold a bottle just stick something in your mouth you know a yeah. nugget imagine the celebration you'll never be more <laughs> celebrated chicken nugget in the world <laughs> than the time they hold one and feed it themselves be like oh my god that's like literally eight hours a day saved <laughs> Because you can put a nugget in your own mouth, you know, it'll be the most celebrated nugget, <laughs> the most celebrated piece of carrot, the most, ce- you know, all these things you look forward to, you never thought you would. So, yeah, you're looking forward to a chicken nugget you'll never get to eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you a, a bit more about Kelly, but I think what I'll do at this point is kind of go back to where we were. So anyway, we were chatting in, in summer 21. And then, as you said, a few months later, things just started to really kind of close in on you, and you were in a, you were in bad shape. Yeah, around August. Yeah, it was all like it was. It was around August. I think it's really hard to remember the timeline because when yeah. you're not well, the first thing you sure. can do is you lose track of perspective of time. Even you know, I think that's one of the reasons they say you should keep a a, a diary when you start to get ill, is so you can look back and because you think I felt like this forever, but if you look back on a diary, you might see it's been a week okay. rather than yeah. two months or whatever. Uh, yeah, but I just started feeling, I knew I was in trouble, but I'd been there before. I just never said it to anyone before. I never talked about it. I just had my own way of dealing with it. So I knew I would get into trouble, feel that I wasn't well, uh, go to see a doctor, get medication, go on the medication. When I feel better, I'd come off it and then i just carry on with my life. And that was kind of my way. Yeah. Uh, never really quite understood why that is completely the worst thing in the world to do and why it's so ill-advised and why you should never do it just because it worked for me. So as most people do, you think your anecdotal evidence is the real thing. Mm. And then I started to get sick again, something I was kind of used to, went, got the medication, except this time it wasn't getting better uh, and it was getting worse. And I started to think... uh, that I, you know, then I started thinking about bracing myself just for different, of making fake moments in time. In six months, it'll be fine. You know, literally plucking these out of my arse. Like these are non-existent mm-hmm. time. Just making up a timeline. If I can just get to this point, everything began. As if that ever happens in life where 
you have a line in the sand and you cross it and there's suddenly nothing else to do. That's just not life, you know? So mm. it sort of came to the point where I was thinking, if I can get to the end of the month, I'll start to feel better. And then it was, oh, if I can get to the end of the week, if I can get to the end of the day, if I can get to the end of this hour. And literally then I got to the point where I couldn't go moment to moment. Like, you know, it just felt like torture. Like, it started, I just started to live in this this hell, this complete and other just circular thoughts of how useless you are, how pointless you are, how the world is better off without you in it, how you're just a drain, how you're always in the way, you're just taking up space, you have no right to be here, everything you've ever done is bullshit. Um, like, you're going to be destitute, you're not going to be able to feed yourself because you're not really good at what you do, you're fucking, like, just this over and over again. And then the only way I could get away from that cycle of thought was to start thinking about harming myself or just not being around anymore. Mm. And then that becomes obsessive because that's kind of the only way you can feel in any way better uh, which is hard to get my head around now but I do remember being in that mindset completely uh, and then you become obsessed with it um, all you want to do is just not be around uh, and I was walking through Phoenix Park one day literally had fell to my knees literally fell to my knees I just couldn't take it anymore and was I, I mean at this point I was already talking to Ashling. I was already talking to Elaine I was talking to Pete, people who were very very close to me but no one else Nobody else. And it was so obvious in work there was something wrong with me. Like, people were saying it in work. Like, what's wrong with Like, there's something wrong with him. Uh, and I was still just hiding it. I said it to Jim then when I felt I had to, Jim, who I work with in Radio Nova. Like, yeah. And uh, nobody else knew. And then I became obsessed with the cover-up. You know, just no one can know. So even though all this was going on, I was still more worried. I was still more worried about people finding out than I was of actually being dead. In fact, being dead was a kind of a good thing to me and people knowing was a bad, was the bad thing. So that's tell you how sickness lies to you. And it was the, it was the, was it the shame of it? It was the shame of it. Yeah. It was the shame of it. Yeah. Absolute shame. And um, yeah, people thinking that, I don't know, it's people thinking that you were kind of like, I guess it was also the feeling of being found out as well, because I thought the sickness was confirmation of all these negative thoughts, you know? Mm. Uh, so I didn't want, so at least I could die in the lie that it's not true. You, if well, that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and those, those things were becoming important to me because being alive wasn't important to me. Uh, and that's like, that was... I guess that was the point when I started to through this whole period by the way I was being going into the psychiatrist a lot like talking to him every few days and they were giving me sedatives not to make me feel better but just to try and take the the weight out of these thoughts uh, they were giving me sedatives so I was on a lot of sedatives and I was trying out new medications and uh, they just weren't having any impact. Things were just not getting better. And then nice. I and they were saying you have to go to hospital. Like everyone at this point was saying, you really need to go to hospital. Uh, Stephanie Prison was saying it to me. Like uh, Ashley was saying, it, Elaine was saying it to me. The doctors were saying it to me. So everyone that knew was saying to me, you have to go to hospital. And I was fighting and fighting and fighting it. But it was just that when it was that that worse, it was like I will go. Yeah. Um, and then I thought you could just walk in, but you can't. Mm. It still took another three weeks to get in the door. Uh, and I, I know now I could have, I never had to get to that point of sickness. I know that now, but in my head at the time, I mean, depression's so articulate. It's such a brilliant liar. It's like yeah. depression's an incredible liar. Like depression is Hitler. Like it's a great orator that sits on your shoulder and tries to make you believe shit. Um, but it's such an articulate liar and it's so practiced. It's It's going all day long, like all day long. So... 
when you try to argue against it with anything that's common sense, it just feels stupid. You, you, it doesn't feel true. You can argue against yourself so easy. Uh, but it's not, it is it is like if, if someone who was the best talker, best speaker you know was sitting in front of you all day telling you you were a piece of shit, you still wouldn't listen to it. But when you're doing it to yourself, you yeah. will. Yeah. Whoa. And um, like... I know you've mentioned Elaine, who is you were married to Elaine. Yeah, uh, so she's your ex. Ashley is an ex as well. Yeah, yeah. And we're, I'm still married to Elaine. We're we're in the yeah, process you're still of getting the... a, a, a divorce, but yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're getting on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes a while, but she's great. You know, she's brilliant, and and Ashley's brilliant as well. And she's uh, an ex as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so like we've been. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> no, it's relationships wonder... have been tough. <laughs> no, know? but it's, isn't it great that you have these friendships? Yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. You know? It is. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm lucky that I've always had good people in my life regardless yeah oh, and I, I know really this, that Stephanie is is a great pal and yeah, was yeah. really there for you and I know you've you've spoken about her as well but if it's if and if you don't want to go there because it's 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 perhaps something that you don't want to talk about but just in terms of how dark it got because it does sound like you know the thoughts were all consuming yeah yeah in oh, terms of else. of the self-harming or the the not wanting to be here anymore did they go more from a thought to an action? Yeah, very, yeah. Well, I was to the point where I, I mean, it's kind of, it's degenerative. In my particular case, it was degenerative. So it wasn't enough to just think about it or fantasize about it. Then to, you know, when that became a tired thought, it developed into, well, how would you do it? And then right. you choose to yourself, and then you think, well, this is how I do it. And then you start fantasizing about doing that. And it's like a tape going on and off or it's like literally watching a YouTube video just stopping and starting over and over and over again in your head where you've decided how it would go and what you would do and how it would work and uh, and I did come down to one day where I woke up and thought today's the day like I'm not going to, I don't want I'm not going to get to the end of today I do remember that feeling I do remember that really very very clearly I remember it uh, and I had a message on my phone from Stephanie Preisner saying uh, I remember talk. I've talked to her about this, or actually about this really recently. We both remember it slightly differently, but the mm. what one thing we can both agree on is that she was always like, "I'll never tell you what to do, but just if you ever think about doing something, just tell me if you are." And uh, I had a message saying, "No time is too late or early. You can call me anytime," mm. and I called her. And I do believe that moment saved my life. I really do believe that was a life-saving moment for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what a great pal. Yeah, she's amazing. She's, I can't speak highly enough about yeah, her. Yeah, uh, yeah. I get emotional thinking about um, not just that, but everything she's done for me. Jesus, I mean, so one-sided as a friendship. But she's like been amazing, you know. Uh, and she basically came to the rescue. I mean, genuinely. Now, that doesn't mean something would have happened in that moment, but I don't think I'd have made it through that day or the next couple of days. I really don't. Had I not had that yeah. conversation with her. And I remember sitting in the car with her, just rocking backwards and forwards, like literally, like, you know, you see tortured animals in the, like, like that. Um, and her just saying, your needs are met. You know, no, it doesn't feel like that. But your need, oh, right now, all your needs are actually met. And that just, that was an echo, you know. And that was kind of when it was, okay, I'm definitely going to hospital. But I had to hold on, like, n- white knuckle tight for another mm. few weeks until we went in. Which is the best thing I've ever done. Uh, should have gone in months before. But it was the best thing I'd ever done. Because it was Christmas. It was like, I think, t- 10 days before Christmas or something when I went in. When I think about it now, we're walking in there in the Christmas tree and everyone's sitting around and, you know, playing games and the whole lot and it winds down you know the hospital winds down a bit okay yeah you know people are 
taking time off and there's the doctors aren't around as frequently as they would be. So it was very, very quiet when I went in. You know, a lot mm. of people went home for Christmas and it was during COVID too. So uh, everything was pulled back as well. Uh, and it was, just, that's, it was so surreal. Like the whole thing was just so surreal. Uh, but if you hadn't told me that day that in four weeks time, I'd be feeling like a brand new person and not want to leave the place. That's what I never, I, I didn't want to leave. After eight weeks, I, I, you were telling me I wanted to go home. I was like, I don't want to go home. Yeah. That's, yeah. So when you walked in, was it kind of like, what, like what was going through your head? Well, I, th- I went in to my boss. In my head, I thought, as soon as you come out with this, you've lost everything anyway. So you've lost your job. Number one, your job is gone. I, that was primary thought in my head. Right. Was, as soon as I tell my boss this, my job is gone. So I just had to accept that, that my career was over. That's what my head said. Uh, uh, I went into Kevin in Nova and I said to him, like, I have to go to the hospital. And he didn't even ask me why. He just says, whatever you need, we're, we're with you. That's it. That's all he said. Whatever you need. That's great. Uh, that's all he said. Whatever you need. I'll never forget it. We're like, we, your, your, your place is safe. Don't worry about it. Whatever you need. I'll never forget that moment. Cause yeah, I thought, that's but, really cool. And even then, the shithead in me was thinking, yeah, as soon as I'm out of here, you know, whatever. But that's that was it. Because that's just the way you're wired. That was think. just how I was wired. You know, that's that's the the unwell, sick mentality, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I still thought uh, it was gone. I thought they'll find a way to get rid of me one way or another. Uh, so I was sure of that. And I remember saying to him, I'll, in three weeks, four weeks tops. <laughs> that's what I said. I'll be back in four weeks. There's no doubt about it. Like, uh, and, and weirdly, when they said they take me into the hospital, the first thing, as bad as I was, I remember thinking, I'm not sick enough to be in here. So in my head, I thought it was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I thought it was yeah, yeah, an, an asylum was what was in my head. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I said four weeks and he was like, no, whatever, no problem. Like, we got your back and you're fine and the whole lot. So that was a huge relief. I couldn't believe his reaction. Like, I couldn't believe his reaction. Uh, and went into the hospital and, uh, I mean, I went in, I did my COVID test because it was like that at the time. Mm. And you weren't allowed to leave this little room until the t- test came back negative. And that took hours. Like, that was hours sitting there. And there was a young woman sitting opposite me uh, who I came to be quite friendly with. Um, and she was the same. We never said hello to each other. We never talked to each other. There was a TV on the background with no sound. Just sitting there listening to music and nothing going on no one really came in or out they gave us a sandwich each and I remember she opened it up and looked inside the all seat and just didn't eat it and uh, I was like what is this place what is going to happen when I leave this room five hours or something I was in there and then we went upstairs to the ward and walked past everyone and uh, one woman came up and gave me a set of rosary beads which and it did that did kind of freak me out but that okay. was the only weird experience it just had to happen that day didn't yeah. It? Yeah, and then yeah, another yeah. woman came up and says listen if you, what do you want I thought you worked there she was like I'll show you around like what do you want to see Let's, I'll show you how the place works and whatever else and we're really good mates I was up with her yesterday actually in Cavan alright okay uh, and we're really good mates now and um she just took me under her wing, kind of, as a, a hospital mate, you know. Yeah. Like you'd imagine in prison, you know, except in prison you have to be really wary of the person that comes to help over. In, in St. Pat's, you, you can really just trust this person means well for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then I didn't realise that within a couple of weeks I'd be booking, going out on walks, using the garden. I mean, getting ordering food in, you know, getting me Camille on a Friday night, watching TV, watching football, how normal it would be. Yeah. I just didn't realise it was just going to be a retreat. I just didn't get that. Okay. Uh, and, and this is why actually you talking about it is really good because um, 
you know, while not everybody listening will know someone in St. Pat's, I do. And like you had this preconception of what it was and ended up being the best thing he ever did um, for himself. And, you know, I think that's a really important message to get out there that, you know, I know shame was a big barrier for you, but actually there is no shame in it. And it's so... There there really shouldn't be. No. And definitely not in there. I mean, everyone in there is in the same boat. Like everybody in there. And that's, I, I had in my head as well, you'd walk in and you wouldn't know who you'd be around. You know, I thought there'd be, I don't know what I was thinking, criminals and all. And I'd be sitting down eating my dinner and upsetting people who have eating disorders. Or I'd be, you know, talking about drinking and then sending an alcoholic off the deep end. Like crazy stuff. Right. But, you know, you're in wards with people who are similar to you. So everyone in my ward was more or less kind of anxiety, depression, OCD. And people have... There's a ward for people who have eating disorders. They get their special treatment. There's the ward that treats addiction more special, more specialises in addiction than sure. the ward for that uh, just women are on. There's one where the, uh, the more older people are on. Like, it's organised and such. And then you're all coming together anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No were one's you... getting upset because you're sick. Everyone's trying to support you is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Mm. Were you given a definition as to, like, depression? Is that what you were told? Yeah, recurrent depressive disorder, yeah. Okay. Yeah, mixed with an anxiety disorder. What a great couple of mates they are. I mean, I think I say it in the book, they're just like Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush, you know, they're so good at dancing together. Like they torture, you know, one tells you that staying in bed all day is the best thing to do. And the other one says, the longer you stay in bed, the worse things are going to get. And you never know what one to listen to. And they drive you stir crazy. They dance you into the grave sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, that, that's the, they're great bedfellows, you know. Torture, it's just about torturing yourself, really. Yeah, so the recurrent bit is the bit, I suppose, that the, 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 that's, that you need to be aware of, I suppose, that it can kind of come, come in waves. Yeah, well, yeah, it'll come again. There's no doubt about it. It has come through the history of my life, I guess, plenty of times. Uh, it's always just been manageable before. You know, I was able to get in front of it uh, but I still wasn't treating it right. <laughs> yeah. So next time it comes, I, uh, it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So you have the tools now, is that? I is have that... the tools now. I know what meds to take. I have a surplus supply of, I know what to do in my condition when that happens. I know the psychologist I am to talk to. I know the psychiatrist I need to talk to. I have people at the end of the phone. I'm not afraid to tell anyone in my life the story, the situation. I know I can approach my boss and work. I mean, that's great, PJ. So, what was six, seven, eight months a year of absolute hell and torture mm. is going to be a few weeks of feeling not great. And that's the thing. I'm totally in control of that now. It doesn't seem like it scares you now. It doesn't scare me at all. I'm in charge now. You know, I'm in charge. No matter what happens now, I'm in charge of it. Mm. Uh, it won't scare me in the same, in the same way you have your first panic attack. You think the world's going to end, and then eventually you kind of they come. You learn how to deal with it. You remind yourself it's not forever. And, you know, yeah. it's hard to do. It's not never going to be easy to deal with. But I know I'll be able to take, I know I, I know how to get in front of it now. Yeah. And that's so, what's important, you know. Yeah, big time. So in front of your boss, you were saying like, you know, three, four weeks tops, I'll be back. Obviously, it w- was longer than that. Yeah, it was three months. Yeah. Yeah. Tw- tw- 12 weeks off work. Like, yeah. And it could have been more because they wanted me not to go back to work when I did. Um, they recommend that you take X amount of time to bring yourself back into the world, I suppose. 
Because uh, I suppose going back into your home environment and your, you know, air quotes, real life can kind of... Scares the shit out of you. Scares yeah. the shit out of me. And it can bring you back to where you were maybe before you went in. Yeah, is that some, a fear? And it does happen. Some people do yeah. go out and have to go straight back in. Mm. But that's fine as well. I think that's what's, that's fine as well. Uh, when you leave, mm. there's a home care package. So they keep your bed empty for you. Oh, uh, very good. And they're still ringing you every single day and they're checking in on you and they're still paying for your medication and they're still doing all that sort of stuff. So that's uh, that's happening all the time. Uh, and they would obviously prefer you didn't just jump in the deep end when that's happening. But that's, you know, so, and some people go out and they go, oh, I'm not ready. And they just go straight back in. It's fine. Uh, it's all a part of it. It just didn't, mm. didn't happen with me. I, I, I was able to stay out. Uh, yeah. And I get, again, the only thing is, the only negative I think in all of it is that you have to be kind of privileged to be able to access those I'm just about facilities. To ask, yeah. That's the real negative. So is it health insurance? Health insurance, yeah. So whatever yeah. happens now, so I have were, to make sure I have like four grand a year basically to make mm. sure I stay out of trouble and that's an awful lot of money. And I think money. most people don't have that kind of money. Mm. Uh, and now I worry about that kind of money when there's kids coming in, you know, and that's where the trap is. Uh you know, having to find, making sure you can find a way to look after yourself first because depression, if it gets in, is going to tell me they're better off without me. Whereas now that I'm well, I know yeah. they need me. So yeah. it's kind of keeping that balance. Um, so I have to make sure I, I budget for that. Sure. Um, but I, I don't know what i do without it. Uh, I don't know what a lot of people could do without it. And it is, that's a big problem. Like that's a huge, huge problem. Mm. Uh, it's, it's hard enough going in there when you can access it. Yeah. So when you can't, it's a it's a thing, you know. It's a big. So it is a privilege to be able to reach out and, you know, get mm. that help. It really mm. is, you know. That's why I'm trying to talk to a lot of lads. I got it. I get contacted mostly by. It's funny, mostly by men online and mostly by women on the street. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know what the sort of what the separation there is. Maybe like, men are more comfortable, kind of the anonymity of online, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Um, I've been doing a lot of talks on it and yeah. in workplaces and stuff and when it's a man no one says anything and then you go home and there'll be messages on your socials and whatever uh, but when you I don't know just you do you do this podcast I guarantee doing this podcast now I'll be in a shop one day and a woman's going to walk up and say listen this thing and she'll tell me your story or she'll say whatever I, I just know yeah. that's, that's kind of the way it goes yeah uh, yeah so I don't know what that is but it's like um, yeah, it's it's just one thing with with a lot of lads in particular is they feel that they're letting people down when they get sick, and just the way we communicate, there's something to it. Like, yeah, men are shoulder to shoulder communicators, generally speaking, not always, obviously, and women are better face to face. And for me, part of the work I've had to do coming out is to make to to keep my male relationships open and working. I realize I'm not going to do that by just being friends. I have to have a motorbike club or a scooter club, or an activity. I have to have these things, or I will lose touch with my friends, my male friends. I will lose touch with them. Yeah. I just know. Uh, so I, it takes a different effort and an outside focus to bring us together. We have to go to a football match. We have to do... I don't know why it's like that with lads, but it's it fucking like that, you know? We need something to bring us together. Whereas my female friends, if they haven't heard from me for a few days, they're ringing and go, what's wrong with you? Like, where are you? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's go for coffee. Um, and there seems to be a difference in communication there. So, uh, and, and those are the places where lads will start talking to each other. Yeah. 
you know, if we are, and maybe not face to face as well. That's another thing I've noticed. Like we'll go, and we'll do these clubs, we'll do these spins. I'll tell them about my thing, and they'll say nothing at all. But then I'll go home, or two days later, they'll might call up to the house, or they'll send mm. a message and go, "Actually, do you know something? I'm actually in a bit of shit here." And then we can work on it. Uh, but you, I, that's my own it take. Is, it, that's my own anecdotal. No, but I've, I've heard that many times. It's really, it's really interesting. Even uh, there was a parenting expert that was talking about if you have a teenage, you know, kid, particularly a son, if you want him to open up, get in the car, get him to sit beside you, drive, yeah, and I, just shoot the breeze because. He's sitting beside you. He's not looking at you. You're not looking at him. And he might actually open up. So it must be back to that physical thing of maybe this face-to-face is 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 quite intense at times. It can be quite intimate to be sitting right in front of someone talking. It's also the feeling, though, that you're not doing anything. Like that's a, That was a thing for me. All oh, right, yeah. That was a thing for me. We're not doing anything. Yeah. How do we fix? This is not work. When people referred to psychotherapy as work or talking as work or... It doesn't feel like work. It feels like we're all wasting our time. That's what it felt like to me. Mm. It's like, I'm not working on anything. We're sitting around talking shit. Mm. We're getting nothing done. Okay, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, getting out and about with, with fellas and trying to get something done, the, 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 just the simple act of trying to achieve something. Like, even if it's just getting to a game or getting a bike ready or going for a walk or whatever it is, there was something that felt that you were, were achieving, achieving something. something. And then there was an environment yeah. in where if we're talking, it felt like we're getting something done. But yeah. when going to therapy, like I've done loads of therapy, it always felt like a waste of time for me because I just didn't see it as work. I felt like, you know, I would go in and to, to therapy, sit down, do an hour, and then not think about it at all for the whole week. Mm. And then that day go, oh, I can't believe it's going to the fucking Egypt again. That's what I felt. <laughs> this fucking Egypt's going to fucking 70 quid for this shit now again. <laughs> That's how I saw it. Yeah. It didn't feel like work. It felt like a complete waste of time and money. And it's only, it, it was only like, because I had to find a new way of doing things. Now I know how to do it, but it takes experience. And I've heard you talk about that, that for you, like the talk therapy stuff, it's not that it didn't have a benefit, but for you, it was, you know, it definitely wasn't top of the list in terms no. of the beneficial stuff. No, but you have to find your mix. Yeah. You have to do it. Yeah, I tried everything now. That's the thing. I tried everything now. Yeah. Now I've tried mindfulness and I found, I tried sound meditation, which just gave me the, the giggles. So it works for some people. It doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Like uh, the bowls. Yeah, the bowls. Yeah. She put a bowl in my chest and started banging it. And I was like, this is, <laughs> I can't. I can't take this seriously. I can't. <laughs> and like, you know, and people were, and we were getting a lot out of it. And there was an owl lad next to me just going, and I could hear him grunt, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I wasn't able to focus on it. Uh, but yeah. it works for some. But if you don't try everything, you'll never find a mix. No one yeah. thing is going to get you out of the hole. It yeah. just won't. Yeah. Uh, and for me, meds is my number one that works for me. And then after that, it's uh, honestly for my mental health, it's that societal thing with stay, staying in touch with men through clubs. That's how I do it. Um, staying yeah. busy and not shutting my mouth about things. Um, and just, you, you know, I, I have my ways of doing things, but they're not going to be the same as anyone else's. That's why it takes so long to get better. It, it takes, you know, you have to give everything a go, right? Mm. Everything that's evidence-based, there's a lot of shite out there as well, but everything that has some evidence to it. And, yeah. and all these things do. Like, I think, you know, when people say swimming is great for your mental health, sea swimmers and all, and everyone's slagging the arse off sea swimmers for a while. I mean, does the sea make you feel better? I don't know. But does getting together with people in a group, having a focus every week, giving yourself a mission within the week that's not work, that you're 
focused on something completely different, having that sound, does that make you feel better? Undoubtedly. Yeah. Does it matter what it is? Probably not, in my mind. But having those things, yeah, of course they do. Yeah. That's, you know, that's life in action. Yeah, yeah. And discovering what what it is that you genuinely get something good out of. Is, uh, yeah, really and it's important to have these things as well because if you get sick and you don't enjoy them anymore, that's a telltale sign you need yeah. a bit of help as well. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot of lads come up to me now and say, how did you know when to go to the doctor? And the answer is, if you've just asked me that question now, right. today yeah. is the day. Yeah. Today. It's like, when do you know you're sick enough? Now is, you, you don't have to be sick to go to the doctor. This is fucking lads all over. You save up your problems. Bad back, bad elbow, bad heart, bad lung. Okay, now I'll go to the doctor. I've four things. I'll get value from the money. You know, now I'll go. But it's 60 quid or I don't know. It's expensive. It's not cheap. But go now. Just go now. Yeah. Before you feel bad, he might say, there's nothing to worry about. Come back in a month's time. He might say, take some Xanax. You're just having a bad week. He might put you on some SSRIs for a little while. You don't know, but just stay active on looking after yourself. Just now. Today is the yeah. day. Fair play. I, I just, I think what you're doing, PJ, as well, just simply by just talking about it now is just great because the more you do and, you know, I know you're one of the many people kind of moving it uh, forward and normalising the conversation I around. I hope I'm putting the right information out there as well. That's why I'm worried about that because I'm not a professional, you know. Well, you're talking about your own experience. Yeah, yeah. That's... It's just, yeah, it's just, I think it's just, I know there's problems when people are asking their local comedian for advice. <laughs> it shows that we have a long way to go still. You know, but that's it, you know, and I'm not going to talk about it for very long. I'll talk about it into next year. I literally have a deadline and I'm going to do this documentary and then I'm never going to talk about it again because I have nothing more to add. That's kind of cool too for yourself (laughs) that you're like, I'm going to cover it. I'm going to do it comprehensively through maybe conversations like this. Documentary is obviously going to be a full picture of it. When is that going to be aired? Uh, I don't know yet, but I imagine springtime next year. I would say if if it's not springtime next year, something's gone wrong. So I would say... We're looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. So anyway, you get out and 
what's going on in your head? Are you thinking they, they won't have me back in radio or do you know that you're oh, grand? No, at that point, sure, I'd rang, him, I'd rang me boss for every three weeks Okay. for the entire time I was in there okay. saying, oh, it's going to be another three weeks or another three weeks and another three weeks. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'll have a job. Okay, cool. And I was feeling great. I mean, great. Yeah. Like when I got to the end of my stay in St. Pat's, I was really enjoying myself and everyone outside was tortured because I was still telling everyone, don't tell anyone. Yeah. So when you disappear off the face of the earth for three months, yeah, people are finding it hard to cover your tracks for you. But I was inside having a great time playing bingo and winning chocolate bars and shit. <laughs> you know, genuinely. I've loads of friends at that point. Mm. Uh, and like you make quite intense friendships. You're with these people all the time. Uh, you have your own new routines in your day. I didn't want to throw it away. I didn't want to come out. At the end, when I went into the psychiatrist, I was afraid he was going to say, right, this is your week. We're going to wind you down. I was like, I don't want to go. Uh, and because I felt so good in there, I thought the world was going to kick the shit out of me again. Uh, but it went the other way. I came out and I felt fantastic. Very, very nervous now. Really nervous. Like I was scared but healthy scared, you know, scared like you would be before a gig or before you, I don't know, like before you do a public speech that you're, you know, or whatever, that, that mm. kind of scared. Yeah. Scared like you might be, if someone said, Sheila, you're going to get an award for your podcast. Good scared. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but still scared. And uh, yeah, so that was in the back of my mind. But then I was, I mean, I got out and I was feeling really, really good and then I was kind of riding high and I got back to work and the show started to feel like they were enjoyable again and, little bit of security in the gig. And then I went the other way. Then I thought I was going into a manic episode. Uh, and I, I sort of was ch- chatting to Elaine and she says, There's some, I don't know, you maybe just need to talk to your doctor again or whatever. Uh, so I went back to the doctor and he goes, okay, well, what's happening? And we sat down and he goes, right, you're, you're feeling a little bit too excited. And he has, like, they have a checklist, you know, they go through a whole session. It's like, are you spending a lot of money? Are you taking risks you would never normally take? And it was like, no, 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 no. And he goes, well, yeah, no, you're just happy. Like, you've just forgotten what it's like. It's just been a while. Wow. He's like, there's nothing wrong with you feeling this good. Like, this is not erratic happiness or dangerous happiness. You're just yeah. in a good place. You're just happy. And did it freak you out? Like, the feeling of no, joy? I thought it was very funny. Uh, I thought it was very funny. I do nice. remember thinking, I can't believe, like, I remember sitting, like, laughing. I say, I can't believe, I thought, like, I'm enjoying my life so much, I thought I was sick again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, I was, like, worried about being, yeah. I was worried about being happy, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe that. That was, like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's, that was mad. Um, but it was so, it was such a nice, secure feeling, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it makes you want to hold on to it then, you know. It becomes a valuable thing then. Mm. Uh yeah, and then, I mean, after that, so much has happened. I mean, in a very short time after getting out of the hospital, I, like, because even though I was feeling like that, feeling top of the world, another year went past of me lying me bollocks off about everything. You know, I still mm. not never told anyone. It was yeah. so obvious something had happened. And, I mean, if I went into hospital with a heart attack or something physical happened, it was missing for three months, and I suddenly came out, people were saying, how are you? Like, Yeah, yeah. Or where... Where were you? Mm. Uh, but I came out of this and no one said that. Everyone just pretended I was around all the time. Uh, so that made it easy for me not to talk about. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until October then of 2022 that you actually, uh, am I right in thinking? Yeah. That's when the conversation that's when, with you and Jim yeah, that's was when recorded and released. I was talking to Jim and 
it was getting to the point where it was a little bit ridiculous. Like everyone in the job knew something had happened. All my friends had known something was happened. People were still texting in the show saying, you know, people were texting. They were being funny about it. Like when I think about it, any, I'd say, oh, I'm off. I'm doing this thing. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll see you in another four months, I suppose. Whatever that, you know, yeah, people yeah. were listening to the show were saying. Sure. Uh, so I was like, all right, we're, we're going to have to say something because we didn't have to, but just felt disrespectful at this point. You know, it just felt like, what are we lying for anymore? You know? But that was uh, also, I would um, imagine, another big and important step for you in your, I suppose, maybe recovery is not the right word, but that's... No, was recovery, yeah. Stepping away from, wait a second, you know, I'm going to own this. Yeah, but this is, yeah, no, and you couldn't have said a better word because honestly, recovery was what I thought was finished. I thought I was getting on with everything, but right. I was still covering everything up. So I wasn't as far up the recovery road as I might have liked to think I was. Right. And then it was like, okay, next step is telling people. I didn't think about it as logically as that, but you're right. That's exactly what happened. Um, so Jim and me said, we'll do a podcast. Yeah. I'll do the late, late, and then I'll never have to talk about this shit again. Genuinely thought that was the, that'd be the end of it. Mm. I'll go back to rescue dogs, you know. <laughs> that was genuinely the chat. Yeah. And now, what a fucking idiot. Like, I went, <laughs> what a, what a fucking a, idiot. A, a year on. We're, we're like, still look, like ne- I haven't <laughs> shut my stupid face. Like, now people are like, will you please shut up? No, my they're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, shut up. Like, uh, so we did it and did the late, late. And when, mm. I remember doing the late, late that night and we're sitting there with Clint and Kelly and we went for drinks now. We're saying, ah, oh, that's it now. Thank God that's over. Like, you know, mm. and, and then we, and we were saying on the night, wasn't that big a deal? Like, you know, whatever. Mm. People didn't even seem to really react or whatever, you know, whatever. And uh, then woke up the next day and it was the front page of all the paper, like mm. all of them. Yeah. And, it, and then the next day and then the Sunday papers. And then it went into the week after. And I was like, what is going on here? And it sounds like an exaggeration, I know, but there was tens of thousands of messages on no, Insta. No, I, I can imagine, yeah. I mean, it was insane, the amount. And to the point that I couldn't keep up. And that was the only time Kelly got worried. Kelly was like, you have to stop now looking at that because that's too much. It's a lot. Uh, and, you know, I started trying to reply to people and then it just she goes, just scroll and see how many are there. And then it was like, that's, okay, I can't. I can't. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I just can't keep up. No. I just can't keep up. Uh, and then... I, I suppose that's kind of realising then you, this isn't something that's... <laughs> to talk about this. And they're going out to the local pub and I thought they'd go, so that's where you were. And they were all just like, oh, no, yeah, we knew, yeah, yeah. We knew that ages, yeah. I was like, why can you say something for fuck's sake? Yeah. Um, so it was like... So it, the word it, it got out, I suppose. The word it got out. It wasn't like picking up a rock and seeing everything running. It was like picking up the rock and everyone going, you know, everyone saying, surprise, like we all knew. But... Uh, but yeah. the reaction to it was just huge and still has been huge. It's yeah. kind of funny now. People come up and say, Jay, you've come a long way since just being... A fellow said to me last week, you've come a long way since just being like a bit of a shitty comedian and all. I was there, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, thank you very much. I get the sentiment, but I don't know if I, I was hoping it wasn't that shit. Uh, but I know what he meant. Like what he yeah. meant was, you know, I know. <laughs> y- your career is very different now. Your sure, life yeah. publicly is very different. <laughs> and you could probably tell with him, his intention wasn't to, like, to be... A- yeah, no, so, it was funny. It made me laugh. Like, yeah, yeah, I knew. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know, see, see, well, I went, yeah. <laughs> just being a shit comedian. Like, I was like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 
so yeah things are very different it's a different life now different it's life. a very, totally different life and then my ma died a month yeah, after that yeah a month after that interview my ma died and then three months after that Kelly was pregnant I was like what the f- what is going on? It's a lot to it's uh, a lot to kind of process and take in, isn't it? So basically, right? Okay, you know, you get out, you get back to your radio show. When do you meet Kelly? Ke- I met Kelly and uh, at the Pride March. Oh, Bowls were Bowls were. The, it was the first Pride March Bowls did. So that was June, something like that. Right. Okay. June. Uh, which would have been just less than a year than I got out. So I think about well, no, no, you would have been out. I was out in February, was it? February, March, April, May. Yeah, so June. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like, we we just met. Like, things yeah. happened, happened, me and Kelly happened fast. Like, yeah. You know, and obviously, no hanging was, about. me and Kelly got together quicker than I got sick, like, uh, which is a weird thing I've not noticed until now. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, things happened fast, like, really fast. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess after that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things. Uh, we didn't really think too much about it. We threw ourselves into it and just yeah. let it lead us. I still look back on it like it's kind of a blur. Like we were just having a really good time. We still are. Yeah. Yeah, just having a really good time. So as you said, your 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 mum passes away. And then, so all the while, the book is still, it's it's this thing bubbling in the background that you were working on. Yeah, that yeah. Initially, because it's called Madhouse, The Naked Truth About My Chaotic Childhood, Losing My Mind and Finding a Place to Call Home. So initially, I, I believe the book was really meant to be about, you know, the stuff that you spoke about before and in the previous conversation we had, which is the situation you grew up in for a number of years that was really very unique, which was that you had mentally ill people living in your home yeah. as part of an experiment that was the run by the Eastern Health Board at, at the, time, the time. Yeah, which would be like the to be all HSE now. Yeah, yeah. So you were writing kind of about this, but what you weren't including at this point was that your parents had had a problem with drink. They were both al- yeah. alcoholics. Yeah, and that, yeah, I know. Le- I was leaving all that out. So you were leaving the, lots out. So I was still spoofing about mental illness within my own family, you know, or covering up. More and again, it's back to you were feeling ashamed. About again, it. shame about it all. Yeah, yeah. And then I was, re- I realized, like I started writing this book. I don't know, like that book was a couple of years in the making, really. You know. So at the time then, we spoke in in summer twenty one, were yeah. you already kind of writing? Yeah, yeah. So sure, that had been. Ah, it was okay. all bouncing off the play. So the play had been on yeah. and gone and everything at that point. Sure. So I was already writing the book at that point. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, there was only then when I started reading, reading back on the book after my mom died and everything. I was going, I'm just not being, I'm not, like, I'm not telling the story full truly, but I'm also not telling how, like great she was and still putting the stigma on alcoholism with my both my parents and you know they were still I think people have an idea of alcoholics as being non-functioning or whatever and they're like whatever they were people who had a, a quite a severe alcohol problem their entire lives I killed my dad and they uh, were and in my mom's case she was still able to pull off miracles yeah like I mean miracles like not looking just looking after us looking after these six really highly dependent men from everything, cutting their hair, cutting their toenails, giving them their medication, feeding them every single day. Like, like you know, in, in the same way that a, a farmer never gets a day off. Like she was looking mm. after human beings and not able to have any time off, had to make sure that they were okay, going looking for them when they went missing and and all of this while fight, fighting and battling her own demons. Yeah. As was my, my dad, to a lesser degree, but he was, you know. I was like, it's that's the truth. Like, that's the true story. Yes. And secrets and lies 
I mean, look back now, that's that killed my dad. And yeah. hiding and co- trying to cover up things that's so obvious. Now, having been through a different illness myself, it's so obvious, you know. Um, so I got one, I got a couple of messages that where people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, your mad died, now you're telling secrets, like you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm like, that's, that's not what it is. Like, it's secrets and lies have nearly... Wiped us all out. Yes, right. And I can still say that this is the truth and be really, really proud of of her and what she did and everything. That's the thing. That's the point of what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, of course. Uh, And to uh, once again just try and address that stigma. Like addicts are people that need help, same as anyone else. Uh, That's literally what it is. I I know that you can't. uh, It's it's a tougher thing to treat. I know. I don't know how anyone gives up on addiction or gets beats addiction. I just don't know. I have no idea what that takes. Thankfully, it's not a fight I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that's real. That's what actually happened. So I felt like I had to put it in. And I taught, said it to my sister. I remember writing the first draft and giving it to my sister. And I thought, she's going to blow a fuse now. And she reads <laughs> this. And she came back to me and says, oh, I remember it much worse than that was what she said. Uh, which is fair enough. I, I think life was harder for her than it was for me. She was younger, so she just couldn't leave. Whereas I spent so much time, and it was the eighties. You weren't expected to be a kid at home. You were expected. You weren't. Kids now aren't allowed out. We weren't allowed in. You know, you literally weren't allowed in. You know, get out from under my feet. And uh, but she yeah. was just a bit younger, so I think it was a little bit harder for her. A lot harder, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's good to know though that she was was cool. About you writing the oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. She was very encouraging about it. She helped write uh, okay. elements of it then and she provided all the photographs for it and we're both like now quite proud of it together, I think. Yeah. Uh, and tonight's a big night because tonight's the book award. So like it'll yeah, be Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Now I'd say I have more chance of winning than I had do of being the first Irishman on the moon. But um, just to be there, like it's kind of, we just stop. You know, it's nice, you know. Like we were just talking about the podcast awards were last night and I, I didn't win and I was I was up for for a nomination in the wellbeing category. But the great thing was I genuinely was grand because I told myself leading up to it and all day as I was driving to Dublin, you haven't won. You haven't won. And it was it's 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 it a takes pre- pressure off. It's a protection thing as well. It's that so, if yeah. if I had, it would have been, okay, wow, I'm proper this class. <laughs> but because I told myself I hadn't, then I genuinely was sitting there feeling, oh grant. You know, because last year I entered and I didn't make the shortlist and I was proper gutted. Yeah. Proper affected me. I was proper down, proper down about it. I felt like, I felt like a rejection because like this thing that I do that I love doing and I felt like I put in a strong submission and not to be recognised. I felt like it was kicking the teeth. So I definitely felt it last year, but genuinely I didn't last night. So I know what you're saying. Like, did you ever see that when he opens up the envelope and comes down with me? Did you ever see that episode? No, no, go on. And he goes, and the winner is Jane. And he goes, you sad little woman. (laughs) You ruined my night. So you could win. Did you ever see that episode? Oh no, I didn't. You have all the grace and decorum of a dump truck reversing <laughs> backwards with no tires. Take your money, be happy, and get the hell out of my house. You oh know. God! <laughs> Imagine. No. Wouldn't you love to do that? Hilarious. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't you love to do that? I remember Bernard O'Shea said it'd be just once how nice it would be to see someone win an award. And instead of and saying, there's so many people that deserve thanks, but please, first of all, the following people are fuckers. And well, just actually, read it. Well, actually, just, I have, I have a, an amazing memory of the po- the podcast you did with Darren, The Last of Your Life. Yeah, yeah. The, um, you know, the last laugh. Oh, the school. You thing. were bloody yeah. brilliant. That was such a. I went off hell- on one. I was class. <laughs> yeah. 
that was class I remember saying to her oh Jesus nothing's going to top the PJ episode oh, and when you give that answer it's so funny like yeah yeah because most people are a bit trying to be gracious and no you know. no no to hell with them it's alright to be angry about stuff to hell with every one of them I hated the kip absolute disaster they thought it was going to be nothing I hope it kills them shit bags absolute shit bags the lot of them I have no problem with that at all yeah yeah oh yeah it drives them mad I don't know if it's true but you know the story of your about Weatherspoon the pub guy yeah apparently his pub was called Weatherspoon uh, because his teacher was called Mr. Weatherspoon and he says you'll never do anything with your life so he wanted the oh, teacher no to see way. his own name <laughs> everywhere he went I hope that's true yeah yeah that's apparent I know, I know your man that owns Weatherspoon is a complete flute anyway but that's uh, you know from one flute to another it's kind of a good message isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, has all of this honesty has all of this like owning whatever it is you've been through has it been kind of liberating or like a weight being lifted yeah big time yeah honestly yeah really really has I didn't think it would be uh, I didn't think it would give me the freedom it has honestly it didn't uh, you know just to be able to, I don't know, like just to not have to care, you know, it's so, it, not to have to, it's so much work hiding stuff, you know. I put so much more work into hiding everything than I did trying to fix it and make it better. Like so much more work, you know, hiding, don't tell this, that, just sneak off here, sneak in there, trying to get in the, wear my helmet up to the pharmacy so in case someone had seen me order and, you know, take them off my helmet when I got in the door and put it on before I left and all this bullshit, uh, um, so it's so liberating it really is um, and being able to talk to other people about what's going on with them you mm. know I mean it's just better it's just so much better it really is yeah. it just makes you wonder why you were carrying the chains around at all but uh, yeah it just life is so much better with them gone you know Yeah, and it's safer more than anything else you just feel a bit safer now do you know yeah, yeah. it's just a safer life yeah. that's you can just walk out the door and people know what you may or may not be like and yeah. that no matter what that is, it's okay. Yeah. You know? That's brilliant as well, isn't it? Because I know that like a feeling of safety is... Everything, yeah. It's, it's everything, yeah. For all of us. Yeah, everything. I, I think it's everything, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's just to, to feel safe in that no matter mm. what I say, it's going to be all right. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. There's something to that, you know. There really is. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Um yeah, and that's, I guess that's kind of the message, isn't it, really, I suppose? Like, I can't really tell people what to do, but, like, no matter what you say, you're safe. You are, like, I know you think the world's going to end when you open your mouth, but you, it, it won't, you know? Yeah. Uh, or, like, the only thing I can compare it to is going on stage the first time, uh, the first ever gig, and getting up and being absolutely shit. And to me, that was my biggest nightmare. What happens if you're shit? And what happened was the next guy got up and he was grand and everyone forgot about me, um, which is fine. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine. Nothing happens. The world doesn't end. Mm. In fact, kind of nothing happens. You just come back better the next gig. And this is the same. You know, you just mm. get better at articulating yourself and people really don't care. They just want you to be well. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have your relationship, but also what I heard not so long ago is that you are polyamorous, which I found really interesting because it's <laughs> yeah. not something you hear a lot about in kind of the mainstream conversation. Yeah, there isn't a lot out there. Uh, well, there is a lot out there, but people aren't talk, don't talk about that either. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, okay. yeah, so I, I guess for me, it's kind of me, uh, my own relate. like I kind of feel that I never had 
a family family, if you know what I mean. So I have, you know, never had blood family until now. This is the first time ever when the kids are born. That was it. Yeah, because you were uh, you were adopted. For those who, again, I know people know your oh, story, yeah, sorry, but yeah, just so, in case, right? Yeah. So, so you were adopted. You started life. You were born in Bespra, um, mother and baby home, and there was fostering for a period for a period then, of time. Yeah, that which I just found I think, out more about. That's right. So you didn't know for ages, and then you only found out recently. I found it just recently. Yeah, yeah. Lit- only a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, mate. Now, actually, yeah. Has that uh, helped fill in the gaps a bit or is it I a bit do. odd? Yeah, I know where I was, yeah. Right. I thought it was just one foster home in Finglas, but it actually turns out it was three different ones. So I was okay. in Temple Hill uh, for a little while and I had two other uh, foster parents. One I was with, but she wants to go on holidays. Uh, and then I was with another one. And uh, then I was eventually uh, adopted fully. Um, yeah, so I've only just seen all that. And okay, seen all those that's words, another yeah. layer probably to be able to I'm maybe right, yeah, look yeah. at. But gas, yeah, have yeah. the address I was in and everything. That was lost for years and years. That's only, I've only just discovered that. So wow. that's, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make me feel different about it. It's just unusual to see yeah. it in print, you know. I'll mm. go up and have a look outside the house one of the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in my view, I never had family, family as in that way. So I have a very different way of what a family means to me. It just doesn't mean the same thing. And I think I pretended a lot when people says, oh, you know, people had aspirations for, you know, kind of recreating their own families. I mean, I never had that. Um, so I think I attached differently in a way, you know. Mm. Uh, and I really do believe that you can, like, love people you can love multiple people. I do. I just really do believe it, you know, mm. and maybe not romantically. Um, I I think like polyamorous people are no different to monogamous people. Sex after marriage is probably a rarity. Um, you know, people always talk about premarital sex. It's, that's, that's the only sex. There's no postmarital sex, is there? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing. It's not a thing. I don't know. Everyone I talk to says it's not. But, <laughs> but, but, I, <laughs> um, uh, but I like, so I think you can have formed different relationships that aren't maybe relationships that, like, as in, you know, it's just you and me or they're not just friendships or I think you can have chosen family. I think I have people in my life that I don't really see them as friends. I've never been physical with them. I never will, but they feel like family to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think so relationship we- escalators to me are very dangerous in my head. I think, you know, the fact that we get into relationships and you say, right, well, we, we'll get married, we'll have kids or we'll, you, then you know, we'll move in together we'll, and then we'll die. And at any point, if that's comfortable, you can't take a step backwards. That to me is like, that's what I've done. I've ruined really good relationships because I thought you can't take one step back. Uh, and I think you can now. Um, you know, I don't see why you have to destroy a whole relationship because one of those things didn't feel right. Why not step back, you know? Yeah, take a breather. Just take a step back. Like, we're, we're, we're doing great until we live together. Let's not live, let's just not live together, but we'll, let's please be in our lives exactly up to that point. Yeah, Why okay. do we have to detonate everything? Um and yeah. I feel that. I really do feel that. I so do. is Kelly polyamorous as well? Yeah. Okay, so this is a shared philosophy, way of living. So, I mean, that makes sense because I suppose if one of you was and the other wasn't, that yeah, probably would cause issues. Well, that's just cheating, isn't it? Uh, that's just like, I mean, because everybody has their boundaries. I mean, monogamous yeah. people are monogamous people for, and that has to be respected. Like, that's what it is. Uh, but like polyamory sort of says, you know, I, in the same way that I love both my kids, I don't think you have to love one more than the other. I, I see relationships kind of the same way. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and I also can't handle the responsibility of somebody looking to me as being the only person in the world that can fulfill their needs. I can't handle that. Uh, well, I, I don't want to handle that, to be honest. I want people to sort of be able to look at me and say, you know, 
So yeah. The pressure of that is feels it's too, too much. much for me. I want people to be able to say like, if you you know, I'm never going to leave you. But yeah, yeah, if yeah. you ever feel like if if I ever feel like I need something else. That I can, I can have the freedom to explore. Absolutely, knock yourself out. No. Problem. See, I'm really interested because I'm not. I'm monogamous, so I yeah, have, yeah. I have a partner. Uh, as and, like most people are. Yeah. So know. I don't see myself being linked romantically, sexually with another human because I feel fulfilled and committed. That's that's my stance, right? But I, I'm also extremely open-minded and fascinated by how differently people live lives and I think it's yeah. really great that you're talking about something again normalising something that is a reality for a lot of people probably a lot more than we realise because it's not something that is necessarily spoken about publicly is this something is it a philosophy that you live by for many years or is it a recent enough thing no I'd say it's been in my head for years and years and years but again I was afraid to say it again it's just okay. this, this is all part of the I refuse to be ashamed of myself anymore cool this is all part of that I just refuse to feel shame for myself being anymore. yourself yeah and, and again it's not like a sex thing at all not by any means in fact I think if I have because a lot of people would make that jump right? yeah, polyamory is like you're, you're you know excuse my language but you're riding all around you yeah you know no, I, mean? I mean my I'm, god I'm just thinking <laughs> twins they're, they're, <laughs> you, that. they're three months well, they're twins I wasn't riding all around me when I was single <laughs> <laughs> but like you've, you've you've three month old babies yeah plural and, yeah. and a partner and, and, and I know that if I'm thinking that people might be How'd you get the time? But that's it. There's nobody else at the moment. Okay, so it you is know, just, it just Kelly is at the moment. It is what it is. And that's not nothing. I don't see that changing anytime soon. I also don't know if I'll ever have another sexual relationship with anyone. I don't know. Really? What I will have is relationships with people that are very intimate and very close. And Okay. But is that not know. just friendship then? Well, is it? Yeah. Do you have any male friends you could stay in their house? Uh, I could, but I wouldn't probably. Yeah, so I think that's where for me is that's a boundary I wouldn't. Oh, have. interesting. Right. So you're, yeah, you're. That's what I mean when I talk about it. Like I'm not ta- like it, I honestly think I dissociate the the sexual thing from it at all. Like you know, I I it's a, there's intimacy boundaries that are different. So. Uh, so for you, it's you know, not sexual. No, not really. No, it's so more about it... having the ability to, cont- like to have a. You know, to have to have to have intimate relationships with someone that you don't have to explain to anyone else that are very different. And yeah. there's a lot of people who are polyamorous who are completely demisexual. They have no interest in sex at all. Right. And so, do we jump to an an, un, an, un, an, un, um, Again, an uneducated assumption? I think then. so. Yeah, I think people right. just associate it with sex, and it really. It's not about that. No more than any other relationship. It really isn't. Yeah. Okay. People who've been married for sixty years and have never gone. They have. They've stopped having sex with each other thirty years ago. They're still in a very. They're still married couple. They're a couple, right? Yeah. The sex thing doesn't dictate that. I yeah. don't think it does. I yeah. really don't think it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and polyamorous people are just people in relationships in the same way. Mm. You don't ever have to have sex with someone, but you can stay over in their house. You can hang out with them to a big degree. You can make them a huge part of your life. They yeah. become part of your family in a way that friends can't be. Um, I suppose just from so if I was to be perfectly honest I think my self-esteem or my feelings of self-worth would probably struggle with um, if my partner had a very intimate relationship non-sexual relationship with a woman I would probably feel like uh, you know why is that not with me exactly yeah so I think I would probably feel like an element of I suppose for want of a better word cheating yeah exactly And but that's cheating to if that's your deal that is cheating. Right. That would never be cheating for me. Okay, yeah. I get you. Kelly's free. You know the way people have work wives and work husbands? Yeah, yeah, and That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. 
that's never going to be a problem for me. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Now, of so course, my partner has, has female friends and I have male friends, but I suppose... Yeah, but like if he went on holidays with someone... Yeah, probably wouldn't if be great about that. If he went that. on holidays with the woman he works with... Well, you see, we can't even you know. bloody do a night away. We haven't... <laughs> you know. See, the thing is, PJ, we haven't even done a night away from... Our little one is two, right? We haven't done one night away from her yet. I mean, that's mental, right? But like, well, we... It's not really... But like, I, how I, would I you get... I kind of think, how you would you know. get the bloody time? <laughs> You know, How'd you get the time? Uh, yeah, yeah, we barely yeah. have a time for each other. Well, this is kind of funny. A lot of polyamorous people say they just live by Google Calendar. You know, you have to love a schedule. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you really? know, yeah, you gotta love a schedule. <laughs> people I know who are like, you know, seeing more than one person are like, yeah, yeah you know, sometimes it's, everybody's just a pain in the arse. You know, <laughs> everybody is just a pain in the arse. You know, uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I think. So do you yeah. find certain relationships you get a certain okay? This person fulfills this part, this 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 need I have, or I give this to them, and you know, I had then get something else from this other connection uh, that I have. Some people feel like that. I'm not that sort of. Uh, I don't really feel like that. I just like being I'm just around being cu- someone. I'm just, do you know what it is? I'm just not. curious. Some that's why I'm do. asking all the questions. I have questions. one person in my life who's uh, like, they're just a friend of mine, but they are, that's very much their thing. They say, they think they feel, they, they get a lot of security and feedback and everything from this one person. And then there's someone else in their life that they think is more exciting and they'd be, never live with them. Uh, but they get this different side of life from that person and they're very much in love with these people. And that's their thing. Yeah. Uh, that's not my thing. Um, Yes, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's weird to for, for me to equate, you know, say, oh, I'm going to get a fun person, a boring person, a reliable person, a DIY person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, knock yeah, yourself yeah. out, but that's not for me. I just want to <laughs> be around people I really love. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I don't really care why that is. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's all. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll see. And you like, can love what, more than one person. I think, I really believe I mm. I can. I really believe I can, yeah. yeah, yeah. I really believe oh, people beautiful. can. Some people can. I know it's not yeah. for everyone. It's definitely yeah. not for everyone. Jesus, people go mad. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my take on it, yeah. It's great. Love it. And thank <laughs> you, because I'm learning more and more and more. Cause yeah, but I there's suppose... books on these things. There's like books on it. And, like, and the thing is, there's so many different types of it. It's not like... I think one of the perceptions that people have is that, you know, uh, all polyamorous, polyamorous relationships are like, it's people get together and then they open up their relationship. That's not what polyamory is either. That's an open relationship, which is a different thing. Uh, there's kitchen table polyamory where people all have the exact same standards. There's like non-hierarchical polyamory where people are all, you know, where there's no real sort of rules and everyone is equal in a different way. There's like hierarchical polyamory where there's like you have a primary partner and then you have secondary partners or whatever. There's so many, there is no such thing as, you know, one One way. size fits all. It really is a way of so, you, do, it's just literally every single you know, it's like they're, it's just Sarah saying, I don't really know what my rules are, but I'm open to, you know, whatever. Is that what you like feel identify? like that's what you identify with? That, which, it's, uh, that it's kind of, there's no rules. It's kind of well, just yeah, well, like, free What I mean is like, I don't, I don't think I tick any of those particular boxes. Um, yeah, I don't know what I am. Yeah. I don't know what I am. I don't know. I hope I never find out. You know, I just, you know, I mean, if things never, ever change from where they are now, I'll be very, very happy. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, okay, so busy at the moment, book awards tonight, um, then heading over to Boston for Christmas, switching off the phone, chilling out, and then <laughs> yeah. not as manic into 2024. And then you're going to park these these conversations and all the rest because you feel like, 
okay, I've, I've kind of done it. Yeah, done then. Yeah, yeah. I have to get on with my life. You know, at some point yeah. you just have to get on with your life and shut up. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean... At <laughs> <laughs> no, some point, you know, you well, have to. At some point it's just can't, you can't just, you know, I don't, I don't want to be one a person who identifies with, you know, one particular time in their life and yeah, decides yeah. that no, I am, I'm the guy who was depressed. Now. I, I don't want to be that, that person either. You no, know? I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I had, I had cancer 12 years ago yeah. and it's not something that... I bang on about all the time because I kind well, of I bet I don't, you had your time right I bet well you, I did <laughs> I, I, I did oh I did yeah I went on the late late talking yeah, exactly, about it yeah. you know I've done my interviews and it's obviously come up in conversation here but I also don't want to be defined by you know Sheila Shoiga survivor of cancer do you know exactly, what I mean exactly yeah because we are more than what we've experienced yeah it's a snapshot in time really but I suppose these experiences and we're lucky that we're here to tell the tale and I feel very fortunate that you know like you in a different way mine was a physical thing but I got the help that I needed I got had the operations had the treatment and I'm healthy and well and we can talk out the other side as I say like it's you know speak from the speak from the scar not the wound and I suppose you're in that position now where you've you've come through the darkest of times so you're able to reflect on on what you've been through but anyway book awards tonight yeah. Heading over to the States. Uh, next time we talk, this could be the last time we have this level of conversation, but hopefully we might talk again <laughs> in a different way. Who knows? It's the nicest way anyone's ever said of I'm sick of your shit. No, I love <laughs> You know I love talking to you. I'll be honest, PJ. This, no, I'm going to use that from now. I'm definitely going to say that to someone. This might be the last time we have this level of conversation. Can't wait to say that to a therapist. What a great way to break up with a therapist. Isn't it? Yeah. I think this might be the last time we ever have this level of conversation. <laughs> I'm going to wish you well and I'm going to get out of here now. So, yeah. Hey, I'm here for this conversation anytime you want, but you oh, saying that you're funny. parking it, I, I'm feeling it could, it could be the last time. But I've loved it because, I mean, that chat that we had like two and a half years ago uh, really had a profound impact on not just me, but the people who listened. I know, you, as you said, you got the feedback, but um, you were just, as you always are, even though at that time you were still keeping a lot back, I felt you were being really honest. Um, but there was a, obviously a lot more that I, yeah, I didn't to a degree, know. I was, I was I getting know. there. I was learning. Yeah, you were on the way. I was learning, yeah. Um, but yeah, the book is Madhouse. The Naked Truth About My Chaotic Childhood, Losing My Mind and Finding a Place to Call Home. Brilliant, brilliant book. Best of luck tonight. Thanks for enlightening me and the world of polyamory, uh, learning all about it. Best luck with the smallies. Um, oh, yeah. Milo does sound like he is a busy little lad. My God, yeah. My God, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> it's send great. Now. What time is it over there now? Right. Yeah, he'll be at it. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> so enjoy the madness. It's full on, but brilliant. And uh, so great to see you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sheila. If you enjoyed this episode of PJ, please spread the word. You can let your family and friends know about it. You can pop it up on your social media accounts. And of course, you can support what I do in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a rating or leaving a quick comment. Thank you so much for listening to Ready To Be Real. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? 
Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.